0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: And here we are. We have worked our way through the best stories of 2023 with just five remaining. The fabulous five. The fantastic five. The final five. What do you think will be the biggest Australian sports story for the year? Well, I reckon you're going to find out in a little over 10 minutes. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. As we have worked our way down this year in review, we've remembered the stories that saw people reading, watching, listening and talking en masse. Let's get into the final five. And story number five is the demise of the Commonwealth Games.
0: In terms of uh, where we go to from here, the uh, Games will not proceed uh, in Victoria in 2026.
1: How flattening to hear that Victoria, home to the sporting capital of the world, had effectively decided to kill off the Com Games.
0: What's become clear uh, is that the cost of hosting these games in 2026 is not the $2.6 billion which was budgeted and allocated and is sitting, vast, vast majority of which has not been spent. It's not $2.6 billion. It is, in fact, at least $6 billion uh, and could be as high as $7 billion. I will not take money out of hospitals and schools in order to fund an event that is three times the cost.
1: When Premier Daniel Andrews announced prior to the last election they'd be hosting the event across regional areas, it felt tremendously aspirational. This would be a way to bring world-class sport to regional Australia and deliver infrastructure to these places in the process. Speaking to Peter Beattie for the podcast, who A, ran the state of Queensland, and B, ran the 2018 Com Games, it was clear the line between aspiration and delusion had been crossed from the outset. He told us that the infrastructure challenges involved with housing and transporting athletes, support staff, and fans across multiple locations was always going to make this version of the Com Games implausible.
0: Let me talk to you about what we did because the Queensland government set a budget and we stuck within it. In fact, we returned money to the Queensland government at the end of the event. Now that required the board and we had a good CEO, we had a good minister working intelligently, thoughtfully, innovatively to keep costs down. And there are a number of things we did, even getting road control devices in place. Some of the quotes we were given were ridiculous so we had to manufacture some of those ourselves and then sell them after the event it's not easy but we did the press
1: conference announcing the cancellation bordered on satire as mr andrews trumpeted the fact that they'd got the budget wrong by about 3.4 billion as some kind of victory
0: look i've made a lot of difficult calls a lot of very difficult decisions in this job this is not one of them frankly six to seven billion dollars for a 12-day sporting event we are not doing that That does not represent value for money. That is all cost and no benefit.
1: The Com Games might be less relevant than it was, but it's also run 92 years across 22 separate occasions. It's launched countless careers and brought untold excitement and joy across the Commonwealth. That, that's not nothing. To kill that off, it's a big deal. As we edge to the end of 2023... Is no indication anyone else is coming to rescue the event and that's more than just a little sad. Number four. When Dave Rennie was unceremoniously punted from the Wallabies coaching post in favour of Eddie Jones, I think many rugby fans were conflicted. The outgoing tactician was a good man and a good coach, but this national team didn't look like contending for a World Cup and they were less relevant by the day. Sure, Eddie might be using the Wallabies as his personal revenge vehicle following his English sacking. Sure, he has a reputation for clashing with management players and staff, as well as media, but he has a huge body of successful work and as RA Chair Hamish McLennan noted, at least people would be interested.
0: He'll be fantastic for, for all of us here in Australia and he, he wants to promote rugby. I love coaching at Suncorp. Like, that is, that's a good experience. Yeah, because you've got 48,000 people Awful of drink, and all they want to see is their team win. From my perspective, and I come out of a media background, I think that can only add to what we're trying to do here in Australia.
1: Then, when McLennan poached Joseph Suali'i from Rugby League, there was a sense of general excitement around the sport, even if it had all cost a packet.
0: I'd say he's reassuringly expensive. He's a good kid, and he'll deliver for us at the gate in sponsorship, in more TV ratings. So. We're happy to pay pay what it is. That excitement
1: did not last too long as the Wallabies' losses mounted under an increasingly erratic Jones. Things began to look unhinged as he opted to go to the World Cup without veterans like Michael Hooper, Quade Cooper and Bernard Foley and clashed with those who questioned him about that move.
0: Thanks for the worst press conference I've ever had in world rugby. Worst press conference. Well done, boys. Good luck. You've got to give yourselves
1: up. The World Cup turned out to be historic, and not in a good way. A historic loss to Fiji. News-breaking of a job interview with Japanese rugby. A historic loss to Wales. Historic elimination at the group stage. Through it all, Jones gaslighting rugby fans like a toxic ex who has you doubting your own sanity. Um, Eddie, do you have a second interview lined up with the JRFU? I said I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Can you give all of his fans your absolute 100% commitment that you will not be coach of Japan next year?
0: I'm committed to coach Australia. Next year? I'm committed to coach Australia.
1: When he finally did head for the exit, he was quickly joined by McLennan. The chair had succeeded in seeing the sport gain plenty of interest, just not the kind he perhaps expected. As for Jones, well, shocker, spoiler alert, he did indeed land back in Japan.
0: I'm very honoured and
1: privileged to be announced today as the Japan head coach. And now we have a team that Japanese public love. Rugby is a a major player in society. And to be part of the push to for Japan to be in the top eight, top four in the world is an exciting opportunity. So I'm I'm honoured and privileged. Number three. When Australia limped into the ODI World Cup after a big year, there wasn't a huge sense of confidence. Yet, in a tournament defined by the sense that it all just felt tailored to hosts India, it was Australia who began to build momentum in some strange ways. Take Glenn Maxwell... Who blasted 201 not out from 128 balls against Afghanistan while suffering full body cramp to pretty much single handedly carry Australia to the World Cup semi finals?
0: That's gone between long on and deep mid wicket, and he has picked the gap to perfection. Glenn Maxwell is playing one of the most extraordinary innings in the history of One Day International cricket. He's 169 from 111 balls, and he can't move.
1: This is the Maxwell enigma, a high-functioning hot mess who doles out brilliance and madness in equal measures. This innings, a cricketing ayahuasca trip.
0: Majid, 287 for seven. Bowls to Maxwell, oh! who hits him. Oh, over square leg for six. It is a double century for Glenn Maxwell. Australia win by three wickets.
1: After taking care of South Africa in the semis, Australia found themselves in the final against hosts India, Forget global cricketing power India felt intergalactic here And the consensus view is that to have any chance The Aussies would need to post a monster score And hope for a choke So when Pat Cummins won the toss Pat
0: you won the toss, what have you decided? We're going to have a bowl first
1: There was a sharpening of the knives For a captain who has had his share of criticism Guess what, that strategy Coupled with brilliant bowling And incredible fielding
0: He's brilliantly caught That is a wonderful catch, and Travis Head running back from cover over his head.
1: In short, Australia found itself in the box seat at the change of innings. Could their batters fire when the stakes were highest? Let me answer that with some Travis Head highlights.
0: To Head, who slams it over mid-wicket for six. That is enormous. Pummels Jadeja over the deep mid-wicket rope for six. Slog sweep. ball short and pulled away by Head. Massive hit over deep mid-wicket for six.
1: This was the moment Pat Cummins' nearly team became a truly great generational side. Number two. And the stakes were already high for the 2023 Ashes series. England, cricket missionaries high on their own suppliers. They talked about saving test cricket with Basball Cummins and co, they were trying to show you could win with a smile, not a snarl, while trying to take down the old enemy. It all came to a head at Lord's, when the hosts found themselves chasing a weighty 371 to win in front of a packed ground. They were five for 193, when this happened.
0: So, that's, we're in that passage of... Oh, hang on. Now, this is interesting. Besto's walked out of his crease, thinking it's the end of the over. Carey has flung the stumps down from long range. Th- this might not be very well received if it's given out, I'll be honest.
1: The reactions were visceral and generally hinged on your nationality. English were quick to invoke the always ethereal idea of the spirit of cricket. Of all people, Stuart Broad taking aim at Alex Carey. The MCC members rapidly turned on the Australian team in the long room. Ben Stokes channeled his fury into a brilliant innings that nearly, nearly stole victory.
0: Two sixes to go from 88 to 100. What an exhibition! This is three sixes in the over. And the over isn't over and Stokes isn't finished, that's for
1: sure. He eventually fell as Australia took the win. Cummins and his players were bemused as they faced the press pack who were indignant with rage.
0: The opposite number, Stokes has suggested that he would have considered the spirit of cricket and withdrawn that appeal. So did you consider the spirit of cricket? Can you defend not withdrawing that appeal? Okay. um... Oh, I thought it was fair. You know, you see Johnny do it all the time. He did it day one to Davy Warner.
1: The series became a cultural tinderbox as the ashes boiled down to old tropes. One country, considering the other to be a bunch of cheats, were known to be nefarious because they've descended from a colony of convicts. That same bunch, believing their opposition to be high-minded snobs, who think they're all above the laws of the game that they wrote themselves. Heck, Rishi Sunak and Anthony Albanese even weighed in. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry I didn't bring my sandpaper with me.
1: (laughs) It was an episode that defined a series which was ultimately drawn and will have us talking for decades to come. Time for number one. Drum roll, please, Poppy Penny. You couldn't go past the Matildas, could you? We certainly couldn't. This went beyond a sports moment, it crossed over to cultural. Here was the finest Matildas team we had ever seen, getting to play a World Cup on home soil. They won their opener, but Calamity was waiting in their second fixture against a Nigerian team that caused an enormous boil over. All of a sudden, the heat was on, especially for Matildaddy Tony Gustafsson, who was bearing no shortage of scrutiny. Could this brilliant group of young women overcome Olympic champions Canada and get into the knockout phase? It was an emphatic yes.
0: Razo takes a touch on the right foot. shoots goal! And Rosso's got Australian front with the flags up on the
1: far side of the field. The goal stands. There is no offside. A groundswell of support became a tidal wave as Australia went Matilda mad. The tillies surfed that wave past Denmark in the round of 16. Again
0: towards Caitlin Ford. Ford takes the ball and towards head the box. One on one with the keeper. Ford slides it home! Australia
1: take the lead. And if we think about this team as a TV show, there's no doubt Sam Kerr's the star. She's a winner like Succession's Logan Roy. She's fierce like Ellie from The Last of Us. She's got superpowers, I think, like Eleven from Stranger Things. Yet Kerr's mini-break actually served the Tillys positively on two fronts. Her teammates had no choice but to grow in her absence, and it forced the broader public to understand these remarkable young women, to learn their stories, engage with the rest of the cast of Matilda's TV. This group gave the nation a "Where were you?" moment as they edged into the semi-finals off the back of an insane penalty shootout win over heavy's France.
0: The whistle blows. Courtney Vine for the semi-finals. She scores. She pulls away. And the referee says that that is all over. Australia have won.
1: England waiting in the semis. You couldn't script it better. Trailing 1-0, Kerr finally got her World Cup moment.
0: Kerr over the halfway line, faced up by Millie Bright. Kerr still racing forward, edge of the box. Sam Kerr shoots right footed. What a strike! What a goal from Sam Kerr!
1: 11 million Australians watched that goal. 11 million, and they lost their collective minds. They also had to endure the pain of defeat as the Tillies were eliminated from the tournament. But what they achieved in the process, and I don't mean the depth of the tournament run, I mean the unification of a nation that's recently embraced division. Who knows what kind of legacy that might deliver. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for listening to our top 20 of 2023. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Fox Cricket and Channel 9 for the extra audio used in this episode.
0: Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.